We now come to the message part of our service. Mallory. Mallory is bringing the word this morning. Mallory is an incredible young woman. She served as a missionary in Africa and uh, uh, is from America by birth and loaned to us to bring life in that. So you're going to be absolutely amazing this morning, Mallory. I'll just grab your stand. Thanks. Cool. Um, a few weeks ago, Dean and Gina were just, I was at Mainly Music and they were just kind of checking on me. How are you feeling about preaching in a few weeks? And I just started sharing with them that I absolutely used to be terrified to stand up in front of people. Um, I was that kid in school that got the pass that like didn't have to do any kind of presentation in front of class because if you faint enough, they make you stop doing it. <laughs> um, and after a few faints and a few vomits, they were like, okay, you can just present to the teacher by yourself, which was still like really worked me up. But, um, and as I was telling them this, they asked like, what changed? And I started sharing with them that when I was in university, I signed up to work for this missions organization. And the idea is that you go and you have this staff training and you get placed in a city and then each week, different youth groups come in, and you take them out into that city and lead them in local mission work, right? And so I go to staff training. I'm super excited about it. And then they start talking about chapel nights and how each person on staff has to share one night. And I was like, hold up, this is not for me. And so it was like a really big moment. I had to like really sit there and pray through this. Like, am I actually going to try to do this, stand up in front of people and talk? I'd really seen God like lead me up to be into this place. And so I was, I was like, okay, you know what? I'll try. And my first week I told my staff, I was like, I'm petrified. Like, even if you look at me now, I'll, I'll shake standing up in front of people. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm terrified. Please pray for me. And they're like, oh, you're going to be great. Don't worry about it. And I was like, okay. And so I go to my first night of the talk and I was pulling one of these where I just like hid my face. I looked out every now and then. And I got a little bit overconfident towards the end. I was about two sentences away from finishing. And I got to the word success, but I had this major stutter. And I just stuttered and then all that came out was sex, sex, sex. <laughs> and awkward, I'm talking to like 213 year olds. And it was silent. No one said anything. There was not a peep. And so I was like, ooh, what do I do? And I just like read the last two sentences. I bolted off that stage. I was done. And I was like running back to the sound booth. And my friend was on staff back there. And she like kind of opened up her arms. I thought that she wanted to hug me. She was really trying to take off the wireless mic that I was wearing. But before that, I could... Uh, comprehend that I said I said sex and then like throughout the worship song you know that's going on that just echoes throughout the sanctuary because of course my mic's still on and so I went to bed that night and I just like I wanted to die I was like I'm not showing my face at breakfast tomorrow I looked up plane tickets I looked up bus tickets I was like get me out of here now I can't do that for 10 weeks um and I just was so frustrated. And I started to pray, which obviously is a good response to that. And as I just sat there and I decided to stay, 
what kept me there was this thought that I have a testimony and I have a story and this huge love for Jesus in my heart. And that was worth giving away um, far more than any negative judgments that I might receive. And it was a huge push for me to take the focus off myself receiving glory when I spoke in front of people and making sure that I'm giving God that glory for what he's done for me. And so, um, as I shared that with Dean and Gina, Dean assured me it was church appropriate. Um, It was like, hey, that's a glass ceiling. You broke it. I was like, yeah, there I go. Um, And so, going up into this, I've spent a few weeks just kind of self-examining, you know, thinking, what am I going to talk about? And I started out thinking maybe I'll talk about being self-centered. And then it just kind of felt like I was peeling back an onion, you know, and like, really, what is the core of this? Um, And um, it's pride, and that's what I'm going to talk about today. And I'm going to share some of my ugly thoughts with you guys. Um, And I thought about making a joke right here about how uncomfortable that was going to be, but I'm actually quite excited about it. I love transparency. Um, I'm not perfect, but I'm really deeply loved, and for me, that's worth shouting about. And so, um, yeah, Uh, I think when the majority of us think about pride, we think about those, like, big-headed people that you, you know, you're like, I'm not prideful. That person's prideful. Look how great they think they are. Um, But today I'm going to kind of try to spin a different light on pride. Um, C.S. Lewis said that true humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And I think that's the same with pride. Um, It's not necessarily how you think of yourself, but how much you're thinking about yourself. Um, Pride is self-worship. Pride is not seeing yourself the way that you actually are. It's not seeing the things that you do in the way that you actually do them. Pride is preoccupation with our own self or our own image. Pride is thinking excessively of yourself. Pride is being selfish. Pride wants ourselves to get praised, ourselves to get glory, ourselves to be worshipped and highly talked about among our peers. Pride's irrational. It often rationalizes we often rationalize our not-so-nice behavior and practice self-justification because of our pride. Um, A proud person is the center of his own universe, and it's really hard to fit Jesus into that universe. Um, Growing up, I had no sense of my own worth. Like, all I ever wanted to do was to be loved. I had incredibly low, low, low self-esteem, and the root of that was pride for me. I was the center of my own universe. I thought excessively about myself. I wanted to be praised and highly talked about because then I felt loved. Then I felt worthy. Um, And I didn't actually see myself, I didn't see myself the way I actually was. And I remember when I was late into secondary school, I was showing up to church one day and I saw my mom's friend, Debbie, across the room and I just thought, oh, there's Debbie, you know, like... I want Debbie to see me as, like, mature and charming. And so, like, I would put on this mentality of mature and charming and go talk to Debbie, you know? And then, like, finish talking to her, and there's, like, oh, there's my buddy Jonathan. I want him to see me as funny. So I'd go over and talk to him and, like, put on my funny self. 
And it just was going on and on and on. And for years, that's how my brain operated. I was incredibly self-centered and prideful, and everything I did or said was for the purpose of people praising me or making myself feel good or making myself look good. I was incredibly aware of how I wanted to appear to others because that's how I felt loved. And then there was a time I realized I was just tired. Like, I was tired. I was still really young. I was maybe around 19 or 20, but my faith felt so boring and so dry to me because I was actually just trying to cover up my old self instead of embracing the new self that God promises us who love him. Um, and that's 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who has no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I reached this point that I was tired. I didn't want to appear humble. I didn't want to appear selfless. I didn't want to appear giving or wise anymore. Like, I actually wanted to be those things. I wanted to become the righteousness of God that this passage talks about. And I was tired of wanting to appear one way, but not doing the work to actually get there. It was really heavy. It was hard to live. Um, my worth came from others. It came from my own self-justification. And in no way it was coming from the Lord because I had no idea who I actually was. And so there are three really practical things that I began to think about and do. And the first was being that I sought God for what my true identity is. Um, it's really easy to fill your head with your own thoughts of who you think you are if you never sit down and let God do that for you. <laughs> I had to understand how God sees me so that I could see myself properly. My God is not a God who talks about his people being kind and humble but makes them fake it to appear that way. Um, and so if I'm trying so hard to be humble and kind but I actually can't get there, it's because I'm not giving God enough room to work with. And so what that looked like for me was surrendering my previous thoughts and ideas of who I am, um, letting God basically redefine me, sitting before him in prayer, devouring his words, studying who God created me to be as his child. And one thing I began praying and still consistently pray today is that God would just renew my mind. It's something I pray every day that I would think like him, that I would walk like him, that I would talk like him, that I would focus on the things that he focuses on. And so the second thing that changed for me was my thoughts. That's a place where I, I really went to battle. Um, instead of walking into a room and being preoccupied with thinking about how I wanted to appear to other people, um, I began to walk into rooms consciously thinking about what do others need from me? Um, What's something kind I can do for this person? What's something kind I can say to this person? And once I took that focus off of myself wanting to be loved, because I understood my identity and I understand that I am loved, 
my desire really truly became to love others. It was really easy. <laughs> um, and my third factor is transparency. God looks so much at the intentions of why we do what we do and why we say what we say. Um, I can walk into a room and see that Gina's looking down and I can say something to encourage her. She can leave encouraged and she can leave happy and God can be looking at me asking me, why did you say that? Did you say that to make yourself appear wise and caring? Or did you say that because wise and caring is actually an overflow of your heart? Um, he knows, he sees our hearts. He knows why we do what we do. He knows why we say what we say. And unless we draw near to him, those things aren't going to be a natural overflow of the status of being close to him. Um, coming home for the first time after I'd been in Uganda, I'd lived in Uganda for a year and a half, and I hadn't seen any of my family or my church friends or anything. And a lot of times people would come up to me and say things like, Mallory, I just so admire you for the mission work you're doing. And I just realized I started responding to people with a lot of false humility um, because I was scrambling in my head when people would say things, I would like be thinking, oh, find something humble to say back, you know? And I was wanting to appear humble instead of actually just being it. Um, and that's false humility. Putting on false humility and trying to appear humble actually just screams of pride. Um, pride's not seeing yourself the way that you actually are or the way, the things you do, the way that you do them. Um, I was belittling myself in an effort not to appear proud, but in doing so, I was consumed with thinking of myself again. Um, I was preoccupied with myself and responding to make myself look humble and, you know, properly righteous like any missionary should. And so, for me, when I realized that, it, like, I had to sit back down and, like, go back to those three things, like identity. Like, I'm not nothing. I was bought with a price. I'm beloved. God sent his son to die for me, and that makes me something. I'm a daughter. I'm a child in the kingdom. I'm full of gifts and talents and passions because my God's a creative giver. And so does that change my thoughts? Yes, it does. Does this person who's trying to compliment me on loving God need to hear from me, oh, it's nothing, I'm just little me out here to serve the Lord. Like, no, they don't need to hear that. Like, the reality is that when Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him, it is hard, but it's so worth it. And we don't belittle the cross that Jesus carried, and so we shouldn't be belittling the one that we carry either. It's okay for it to be hard. Um, humility is seeing myself exactly the way that God sees me and the things I do the way that God sees them. It's the acceptance and the honest confession of what's actually true. And so that led me to transparency. When people come at me with these, these compliments that I didn't know how to handle, I developed a short answer, kind of medium answer, and a sit down and let's have coffee answer. <laughs> and um, my short answer just became, you know, it's, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but I truly love living there. You know, like not taking the praise, the glory for myself, not being over emphatic and trying to give God glory in that moment, but just really responding people, re responding to people with what my true thoughts were. Um, and so over the years, as I've just realized that my pride is a problem, 
um, I've begun to see that pride blocks me from understanding the way that God loves me because I love myself the way that I see myself, not the way that God sees me. And pride stops me from hearing God clearly because if my thoughts are my thoughts, then they surely can't be his. Um, pride stops me from following God because when he asks me to lay down my life to follow him, I love it way too much to actually do that. And pride creates a mentality that's focused on receiving worth and love instead of giving worth and love to those around us. But humility is obviously the opposite of pride. It's something that we should be constantly seeking. And, and in fact, we're, we're called to clothe ourselves with it. In Colossians 3.12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe myself. Put it on every day. And, and it's much easier to follow God when you have a humble heart. Um, the first time I was, well, kind of like the second time I was going to Uganda, I was committed to go for six months and I was support raising for those six months. I was very thankful to go with one of my best friends. Her name's Katie. And it was like two weeks before we were supposed to leave. And we were like, this is probably not the exact number, but it was something like this. We were like $3,517 short um, of our support raising. But we had tickets booked for two weeks from then. Um, and so... We had a good friend in Texas who had asked us to come and speak at his church. And we knew it was a small church. Going into it, he was like, don't expect a lot financially. Um, and so we we're kind of sitting there knowing also that it's a 17-hour drive for us to get there. There was a hurricane coming. We would be driving right through a hurricane. Um, and we had two weeks left with our friends and our family before we went away for six months. And so we both just really sat down and prayed because, to be fair, I don't think either of us really wanted to go. <laughs> and um, it didn't make sense to go. But after we had prayed and, like, we came back together and um, we both said that we really believed that God was asking us to go. So we were like, all right, let's go. Um, we just both felt like God had put this message in our heart that like the message that we are there to give about laying down our lives to follow the Lord is worth way more than anything we could receive from that church. And so we went praying that we would receive $500 just to cover our um, petrol there and back, which is crazy, 17 hours. And so we drove through the hurricane, we got to the church, we shared our message, we raised exactly $500, um, and we were just as happy as could be. We really felt like, okay, like we finished what God had us here for. Um, at no point did we ever share the exact amount of like what we actually needed left to raise, because we just didn't want to kind of put that pressure on people. Um, we just continued to pray over it. And... We were hanging around a bit after church, and we were pretty eager to get back on the road and just, you know, go home to our families. And as we were about to leave, this, like, super eclectic lady <laughs> comes up to us. She was like, can we take you to lunch? And we're like, can I take you guys to lunch? And we we're like, yeah, sure. Um, and so we went and said goodbye to our, because everyone needs lunch before a road trip. That makes sense. And so... 
we went and talked to our friend Brad. We said goodbye. Um, we pointed to him who we were going out to lunch with, and he was like, oh, that's Miss Barbie. And he was like, she's a bit of an odd bird, but she's filthy rich. <laughs> and he was like, she only comes to church like twice a year. I'm shocked that she's here today. And so now I have this idea in my head that Barbie is loaded and she's about to take us out to like the fanciest lunch I've ever eaten and then dump at least $3,000 at our feet. And I was just putting so much pressure on myself to like feel worthy to her that she would make this like giant donation and you know, we could go to Uganda. And so like we get in the car, we follow Barbie to the restaurant. She takes us to like this $1 Chinese buffet restaurant. I'm not going to comment on the quality of that meal. That, that's a dollar a person. That's enough said. But we're sitting there in the restaurant, and she starts weeping to us um, about how she, was, she grew up in the mission field. She was sexually abused, and she spent like 45 minutes trying to convince us not to move to Uganda. And I was like, this is not going the way that I thought it was. And so at that moment, you know, I just kind of like really just humbled myself and was like, this is, that was not what I'm here for, you know? And so um, Katie and I ended up sitting in this Chinese buffet restaurant with Barbie and ministering to her for like over two hours. Um, she said that for the past 30 years of her life, she'd been trying to figure out um, if God was real. And if he was, then why did he let that happen to her? And our conversation ended up, she told us, like, I've never told anyone this before in my entire life. And we're like, why us? You know, like, these two young girls that are 40 years younger than you. <laughs> like, and um, she just really opened up that she was going to try to seek some help from the church. And so, you know, we, were, we just felt really blessed. We felt like we were in the right place at the right time. And she came in trying to convince us not to go to the mission field. And it just kind of turned back into this blessing on her. But so then we start talking and she was like, you know, I would really love to take you guys back to my house. I have everything that you need to run a children's program. And so if you can just come back to my house, I'll get you everything you need. You won't need any supplies while you're there because we're running like little children's programs. So we're like, oh yeah, that'd be awesome. We still had room in our suitcases. We we're excited. So we follow Barbie back to her house. It's a mansion. And we walk in, and it, like, immediately, I don't know if you've ever felt this way, you walk in somewhere and, like, something just feels off to you. Like, I just got the major heebie-jeebies. I was like, ooh, I don't like being here right now. <laughs> and, um, she just starts, like, ran, running throughout her kitchen, and she's, like, picking up, like, ballpoint pens and, like, the extra printer paper out of her printer. She's, like, rifling through all her drawers and just, like, finding anything that she could call, like, a children's <laughs> program supply and, like, shoving it in a bag. <laughs> and uh, she's like, okay, this is what I have. And it was, like, five pens, six pieces of paper, and, like, half a pad of sticky notes. <laughs> and I was like, okay, thank you. And, like, at that point, I looked at Kate and I was like, let's get out of here. Like, this is getting creepy. And she's like, okay, let me just take you on a tour of my house. And we're like, oh, like, just really awkwardly trying to get out of this situation, but she was, like, not having it. And so we go on this tour of this mansion. Turns out the kitchen is the only room in the whole house that's finished. And by finished, I mean it's the only room in the house that has furniture. It's the only room in the house that has walls. 
It's like the rest of the house is just like this empty shell. And she's like walking through it, like telling us about all her things, like sounding like they're already there. And we're just getting more and more creeped out by the minute. And then, you know, like we walk into upstairs and her husband's sitting in this one lazy boy chair in his underwear, like scattered around with cans of beer. And she's trying to like encourage this conversation between the like the three of us and I'm like please get me out of here I'm so uncomfortable so we start to leave we made our excuses we get into the car and we said goodbye and we <laughs> we're sitting in the driveway trying to find the nearest coffee shop so that we can kind of like you know like unwind and process that maybe <laughs> and and so she comes like running back out and she hands me a pen. She's like, oh, I forgot one. I was like, oh, thank you so much, you know? And then she like goes back in and then like comes running back out and like brings me a Sharpie. <laughs> thank you. And then she's like, can I have your phone number? And Katie just rattles off my number for her. And I was like, what? Why would you do that? And she's like, oh, we're leaving soon. She'll, like your line will stop calling. And I was just like, I'm still. <laughs> and so... We leave, we go to a local coffee shop. We're sitting there like, what just happened? And Barbie walks in and she's like, I followed you here. <laughs> like, okay. And so um, she was like, I just, you forgot to pray for my shoulder. And Katie was like, oh, does your shoulder need prayer? She was like, yeah. And so we're just like, all right, let's pray for her shoulder. We bow our head in Starbucks, praying for this lady's shoulder. We're like, okay, you know, and she, she doesn't even say bye. She was like, okay and then just leaves. We're like, all right. And then, like, how long is she going to follow us for? And so then we're sitting there, and probably another 10 minutes pass, and she just, like, marches back in, and I just thought, oh, no, you know? And, um, and, and she just comes into the table. She smacks a piece of paper, paper down on the table. She doesn't say a word, and she just turns out and leaves. We're like, what is that? And we pick it up, and it's a check for $3,517. <laughs> and I tell this story because it was like a huge defining moment for my faith. Um, sitting in that $1 Chinese buffet, I quickly realized that I was not going to get a big fat donation out of this lady, but she actually had a lot of needs that she needed God to meet her in that moment with. And so that became our focus. She was really broken. She was against us going to the mission field. She wasn't even sure if she believed in God. And, you know, in that moment, I think for Katie and I both, we really had to lay down our pride really quickly. Um, because if we had been continued to be focused on what we needed, whether that was money or to get back on the road, um, then we would never have been able to, like, really effectively minister to her. And... I share that story because it was this moment for me that I realized that when I lay down my pride, when I understand who I am and what I have to give, I become focused on giving of myself to God. I become focused on giving of myself to others, and I find myself right in the middle of God's will. And when I lay down my pride and I understand my identity and I understand my worth, I can be focused on loving others, and God really delights in that. Um, there's a lot of passages of scripture that talk about identity, loving others, intentions of the heart. But um, one that I love is Ephesians 4. And so I'm just going to close with that today. It's a bit long, bear with me. But I just pray that as I read this, that there will be just words that stand out to you um, that you can just sit on for the rest of the week. It says, 
I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying that he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and all the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to, measure of the, st- to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now I say this, And testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them and due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that's not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and you were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on your new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Um, It continues on, but I'll just encourage you to read it if you have time this afternoon. And I'm just going to pray. God, we just praise you so much, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you show up in our lives every day, God. And I just praise you for how much you want to show up in our hearts, Father, that you long for your children to truly walk in freedom, God. Lord, that you long for these things that hold us back just to be put away, God. And Father, I know I'm not perfect and I still struggle with these things, but Father, I thank you just for the opportunity to just be transparent today, God. Father, I pray that you would just give us a real heart to search our hearts, God, to not come before you with hard hearts, Lord, but just to be really meek before you, Lord, and to let us allow you to just show us where you want to grow us, where you want to build us, who you actually have made us to be, God. Lord, we just lift your name up. We magnify you. In your name we pray. Amen. Wasn't that great? What a great word. That would have taken a lot of strength. That's really been honest up here, isn't it? Isn't it good to be in a church where people are honest? Yeah? How about, how about we decide that we can be real and 
with each other. We don't need to come here on Sundays and put on a performance, but we can actually be the real deal and actually uh, be, help each other in our journeys and that. Great job. That was really, really good.